The Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to The Leadership File, bringing you conversations with leaders and experts on leadership themes. I'm Andy Peck, your host, and whether you're listening live or via the podcast, it's great to have you along. This week we have the second part of a two-part show with uh, Jonas Kerlberg. In the first part, we looked a little at Jonas's background growing up in a Christian family in Sweden and becoming interested in digital theology after his doctoral studies. Digital theology is a broad category that looks at the implications of the digital world on our worship, our discipleship and evangelism. In this show, we look more at how local church is affected and how local church leaders are interacting and could interact with the digital world and social media in particular. It was recorded before the uh, COVID-19 lockdown, and so we didn't talk particularly about the use of uh, social media and indeed online services as part of uh, this new world that uh, many of us are inhabiting with churches unable to meet. So, Janus, when it comes to... um, Christian leadership, what would you say might be the, the key areas that, that Christian leaders need to, to think through? Well, I suppose at the beginning of you've got to think about what does leadership look like in a digital culture? Is it changing? And what are, then are the implications? Um, I would say that there, it is changing. Um, leadership will need to change. And that has partly to do with the early conversation that we had around uh, religious authority um, and I think that we're moving into an age where and it's sometimes it's hard to distinguish between what's kind of more general cultural trends and what's digital culture and what's the what's the what's the causation here but I certainly think within digital culture um, leadership is more based on uh, charismatic leadership rather than on titles or hierarchy right? so if you if you want if you want to have a, a, a voice in digital culture, you know it would be the people who are able to motivate people, capture their imagination, and show leadership. So, um, and I think I think some other key elements to that is that there's such a high value on authenticity in um, digital culture. So. I guess the idea that you need to be true to who you are, um, whatever that means. Uh, on, on a Christian level, we can talk about that in terms of, well, your your faith needs to be seen in your action, right? So, and, and that gives a level of accountability, I think. Um, you know, uh, it's gone are times where you can probably hide uh, certain abuses um, within the church structures, it will now come up through social media. And I think that's probably a good thing. So leadership becomes more about kind of who you are as a person and it, it kind of highlights you rather than the title that you bear. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's good. Um, and and we, we need to talk a little bit about online church, um, which has been around for a while, especially in the United States. Um, uh, and you, you mentioned that uh, some of your... Uh, students have have looked at that a little bit um, in their in their research. Uh, I guess the debate concerns whether there is something inherent in physical community that might 
make online approaches inappropriate i know i know some physical churches have a an online presence as well and they they would some of those would say because i i listened into some of the podcasts would say well actually the one enhances the other but uh, perhaps you could speak to that mm. for a few moments yeah um so the the online churches that were planted say 15 10 years ago have not really taken off Okay. Yeah. There are very few uh, churches that exist purely online, but they do exist. Mm. Um, a, a question that that one of the questions, as you say, is is you know what does that do to kind of the idea of you know the physicality of church? Uh, how should we be thinking about that? Uh, and I guess a key key question is there, especially for more evangelical churches, is what. What does community look like? You know, what are, what are authentic relationships? Do they require us to meet face to face? And I would say that um, <laughs> obviously people take slightly different positions on this, um, but I I find it a bit hard to, to to just say that well, online relationships are not authentic and not real because we don't meet face to face. I think they are. They're just different. Um, just like you, I'm, I'm sure people would not dispute the fact that you could have an authentic relationship with someone by um, by writing letters or corresponding through letters in the past. But it's just different from meeting face to face. Do the church need to meet face to face? Well, I think it probably helps most of the time. Um, but I, I think, as you say, like we, we probably should look more, um, we should more think of uh, the digital as a simpler supplement rather than a competition to offline churches. And what we're finding is that a lot of, of online, especially for people who are searching for faith or churching, or wanting to check out church, they start by looking at the church's online presence. They might look at a streaming service, a, 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 a live a live stream of a service, or a podcast, something, and then they come to church. Um, so I think I think we're probably moving more towards thinking of them as doing different things, uh, but supplementing each other, supplementary rather than com- in competition. And and of course, uh, for those who meet in in places where uh, assembling as Christians is not is not possible because of religious persecution etc then it does it does provide um, a, a means of of uh, spiritual support that um, they would have been without uh, but for that medium yeah not only not only for those groups actually for a, a lot of people with disabilities who, who find it hard to Indeed. come to a yeah. church building that's true as well yeah. and so for a lot of the um and 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 this is what we're finding out from 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 people who are in such communities that the digital has completely revolutionised their their spirituality in that sense because they can find community online, and whereas before it's been difficult to be part of a normal church congregation, uh, meets in a building. Well, moving on, Jonas, to um, to social media and, and how churches uh, use it. Um, according to LifeWay Research, almost 85% of churches use Facebook. 
Apparently in 2017, 84% of Protestant pastors reported their church used Facebook as their primary online communication tool. Now, of course, younger people would say, ha ha, this is an older person's <laughs> tool. But still, you know, um, you will know the downside of, of social media platforms and their ability to waste our time. Have you got a view on, on churches using social media to communicate to its congregation and to create uh, conversation? Well, you know, like social media is getting a lot of bad press at the moment. I mean, if you look at just new pa- newspapers, almost daily bad headlines for social media. So, you know, I can understand why people are apprehensive. And, you know, there are some real issues there. Um, but, you know, as you say, you know, like I, statistically half of the world's population are not active on social media and less so it's about an age thing you know across ages across cultures people are using social media so you've got to ask yourself questions you know if that's what people are should not the church be there as well to some extent uh, it could be so on its own term but at least to be present um i, I think i think there seem to be uh, you know, part of our missional thinking, you know, we need to be where people are. Uh, I guess the second point is that my experience is that God seems to be meeting people on social media. So I've, over the last half year, had the chance of doing quite basic um, polls where I've asked people about their social media use. And I've done so when I've been speaking at Christian conferences. Um, just as a kind of an, an, a, a way of interacting with the crowd, you can now go do these interactive polls uh, where people use their smartphone and the result comes up on the screen straight away. And one of the questions I've asked is, have you had an encounter with God on social media? And I've done this in different, few different countries, a few different contexts, and typically 65% have said yes. Wow. And another 20 have said maybe. Gracious. Uh, obviously, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So uh, I was I was really um, mm. surprised by by how that number was. Obviously, I haven't asked any follow up questions about what they mean by that. Mm. But it seems like for for Christians, social media is a sacred space. Yes. It's a space where they encounter God. Um, and so, depending on what your view of the church is, the church is already there. You know, people are encountering God on social media. Um, and, you know, that social media does provide opportunities to engage with people, um, to, for ministers in particular to stay in touch with their members throughout the week, or so even members to continue um, fellowshipping, um, having prayer groups, uh, Bible studies, and so forth. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. I think the church should be on yes, social media. Do. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, we are, of course, starting to be aware of the prospect of artificial intelligence. Uh, and, of course, mm-hmm. this will have to have some thinking through theologically. I've seen one or two articles about this, this very business mm-hmm. about, um, you know, whether robots can, kind of, you know, can can have faith almost, which seems like a bizarre question. But, um, but people are grappling with this. Yeah, I must admit I'm not a particular expert on artificial intelligence, yeah. but it's, it is a huge area that's starting to emerge. And a lot of it, must be said, is, is quite mundane. Um, so, you know, um, but there are some real issues there. Um, and I, I think, essentially, the question we ask ourselves is, in the face of the machine, who are we? Who are we as human beings? 
Um, and does it matter if machines become more machine-like? There's a professor here at uh, Durham called Robert Song, and he usually says that my fear about robots is not that they're becoming more human-like. It is that through the robots, we are becoming more machine-like. Okay. Um, and so I guess he puts it a bit on his head saying, you know, does the fact that we... I, it's a bit like the, the I, I don't know how much you if you've done uh, come across the idea of transhumanism, um, but but the the idea of transhumanism is essentially that we can through technology um, go beyond our limitations uh, as human beings, and particularly human particularly this refers to our, our bodily limitations, right? Okay. Right, and through through technology. But the assumption is there that we can then, in the future, um, find a way of downloading our minds or uploading our minds onto the supercomputer and where we can live in a completely virtual existence and we can do so forever. Um, now, th th this is where Robert Song's point comes in, is that that already assumes that we are like machines. <laughs> you know, that, that we, we, we function in the same way as machines. Sure. Um, uh, so, so I, th I think anthropology is one of the key questions there. The, who are we as human beings? What, what does that then mean for our ethics? You're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Jonas Kelberg, and we're looking at digital theology. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Jonas uh, Kelberg. Uh, Jonas is the program manager of the MA in Digital Theology at Durham University. We're talking about that that topic and uh, trying to get our heads around some of the massive changes that have taken place in society and what ha implications that has for our, our theology, for our understanding of God uh, and faith and people coming to faith and uh, discipleship. All this feeds into the the scientific view of the universe, which which leads God out, and because you know some would say we are our brain, you know there is no concept of mind or soul, and therefore you know the me mechanistic view of the universe is fed, feeds into this this robotic uh, outlook that you're describing. Yeah, sure. And then, then one of the scary things that that leads to, I think, is that you know if you have a mechanistic view of the world, is that that can be manipulated, right? Kind yeah. of, uh, and so, um, do do humans just become tools that we can manipulate, or machines that we can manipulate certain ends? I think that's the kind of logical um, consequence of such thinking, or the potential um, of our thinking. So, Yanis, um your first cohort of students arrived in 2017. Um, have there been any changes in the sort of three years that have been had to be built into the course because technologies developed as over that time that you've been thinking, hang on, we need to include this or that, or I uh, think mm -hmm. uh, is the is the schedule much the same as it was when you started. Um, so I came in, uh, I came in after the first year. So I've obviously I've brought in I've changed some content because of my own interest. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, what I think is important. So that's happened, but. I think one one way we are starting to have to rethink a little bit is coming back to this idea of authority, and that's where things are changing quite a lot um, in the last few years. So, 
it, it used to be that, especially in the early days, the internet was seen as this kind of this very free, democratic, um, non-hierarchical space where people can inter- interact and engage with one another. And what we increasingly are seeing is that uh, that in the internet is being controlled, controlled by the tech giants who who want to make money um, and therefore seek to persuade you to act in certain ways. Um, and then you have uh, governments trying to come in with new regulations to uh, counter some of uh, the abuses. Um, and you have other governments that are completely controlling it, like China, that are using it as an instrument um, for to exert its authority and control. And so I think we're moving into a, a, a time where uh, internet is increasingly going to be associated with authoritarianism right. um, rather than freedom. And so some of our theological reflections have been around that as well. So that's kind of one large way in which I think things will change quite fast in the coming way is, is how we actually understand what right. the internet is. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, as well, there's been a huge boom in, in the theological writing um, and on on digital, and so you know, I will always try to stay on top of that. Yeah, and that would that changes as well, brings into the course literature. Of course, yeah. And uh, as we're coming to a close, Jonas, um, I mean, some researchers are fairly neutral and relaxed about where things may head. Uh, others have convictions that they want to, you know, they want certain things to happen. Uh, I mean, as you, you know, work as program leader of the MA course, have you got? Uh, particular convictions about things, or are you very relaxed, or what? What's your kind of, um, what's your posture towards the course and what you're doing? Okay, so I would argue that I've already said uh, that you know digital technology or technology itself is not neutral; it does something to us. Yeah. So we have to think about what does that does. But on the other hand. There is user agency, so regardless of what an item is designed for, users still have a possibility to use it in different ways, in certain ways. So, uh, I, I think that I think that the church should be part of those kind of conversations, um, and that might mean that you know you have in your churches have conversations about, for example, uh, how how should we. How should we, um, what should we think about our kids using technology? A lot of parents have issues about that. And um, my point is that, that you know, you, there, are, there are options. <laughs> you know, you're not, you, we're, not, we're not completely controlled by the tech giants. Uh, but on a macro level, I think there needs to be Christians and church leaders that are also part of these kind of wider conversation. Well, what is technology there for? All technological innovation has a vision behind it whether it's implicit or explicit. And I, I would like to think that we should be part, that we can and should be part, at least around the table, when discussing these issues about the future of technology. Sure. And, and as you've obviously been within this space and, and church leaders have, are kind of waking up to the kind of conversations that you're having, are they, are they uh, generally warm to, to what you're doing? I mean, I guess you you will always have people who who get it. Yes, yes. Um, and those who who well, that seems a bit niche. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and I can carry on with my life very much. Thank you very much. Sure, sure. So, but... You know, it's a mixture of people. What we found is that we um, uh, we had, um, I went with my colleague um, to, um, to Singapore in the autumn um, to have a conference there. And, and I was in the church setting. And people just got it <laughs> to a different level. But it's partly because it's just a more technologically advanced society. Um, so I think I think people understand that there is at least a, a, a most most Christian leaders will will acknowledge that there is a demand for some kind of theological reflection on all of this. Sure. And um, just yeah, just closing question uh, about the about the MA. If if folk are listening and interested in uh, in studying, what would what would be the best thing for them to do to discover more? Uh, if you search for uh, MA in Digital Theology, um, you'll find us online. Um, I'm more than happy to talk to people, um, both through email or um, just in person. But the best way is to get to look us up online, um, and uh, we can start a conversation. And, and courses start typically in September. Is that? That's right. So we follow the typical academic year. Um, I should point out that we offer what we call a mixed mode teaching and learning uh, where where students come to Durham two or three times a year but then we have online seminars in between which means that we have students from all over the world uh, joining us uh, online but also meeting up occasionally in Durham. Fabulous, good. Well thank you Jonas so much for, for shedding light on this, what will increasingly be a key topic uh, but it will be a new topic for many listening so thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to share some of what we do. Bless you. Thank you. So the show was recorded before uh, COVID-19 hit the world and changed all our lives. And so it wasn't possible to mention online church in the light of COVID-19. Uh, but there's been some encouraging news. Maybe you've seen some of it of local churches who are not only serving their own regular attendees uh, through online services or the like, but also others within the community and wider field who could not normally attend church. According to a survey by Comres for Tear Fund, 24% of British adults say they've watched or listened to a religious service online since the lockdown, with 5% of these saying they've never attended a live service. And if you're nervous of attending church for whatever reason, of course the online service gives an easy access, and I'm sure many local churches will continue when lockdown ends. But as we close, a few words for you if you're engaged in church online or intend to be, or want to up your game, some resources. The first is a written resource uh, by the Reverend Ian Paul, uh, and it's also a video as well. So Ian is a theologian, author, and speaker. He's Associate Minister at St Nick's, Nottingham, Honorary Assistant Professor at the University of Nottingham, and Managing Editor of Grove Books. And he's been a, a guest on my show a few times. Uh, he produces a regular blog where he writes on themes surrounding the Bible, theology, and the church. And in his uh, blog, he includes a video interview with Brian uh, Wolfmuller, who's the pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Austin in Texas and the Jesus Deaf Lutheran Church, about the challenges and opportunities of online communication. He previously linked some of his uh, material, including his instructional video on tips for pastors when preaching online in an earlier post. So if you go to uh, his website, and you'll need a pen, uh, it's uh, www.sephizo, which is spelt P-S-E-P-H-I-Z-O dot com backslash 
life dash ministry backslash effective hyphen communication hyphen in hyphen online hyphen preaching so that's www.sephizo.com backslash life hyphen ministry backslash effective dash communication dash in dash online dash preaching uh, secondly you might want to go to a youtube clip which is entitled 5.5 ways to progress your church lockdown live stream it's uh run by uh sam arnold who heads up the media and communication at king's church eastbourne um it's admittedly quite a um uh, a well-resourced church uh, so you'll see some of the um, stuff that they're able to afford but nevertheless some really really good advice on um, on streaming church live uh, on a Sunday um, and as you would uh, also be wise I think to listen to Glenn Scrivener uh, Scrivener S-C-R-I-V-E-N-E-R of uh, Speak Life uh, Glenn has a, um, a little clip on how to present to camera many communicators are having to uh, speak to camera to um, obviously to the laptop or whatever that is they're using to record their their show or sorry, not a show or their um, service and um, uh, he's got some very very useful tips which will be well worth um, watching um, so he happens to be based in in Eastbourne too and uh, some of you recognize his name from uh, being involved in the unbelievable show with uh, Justin Briley and indeed one of the uh, more recent uh, shows there too. So a few ideas for you if you're um, uh, online already and you want to up your game or if you want to um, uh, start perhaps um, with this um, connect, communicating with folk um, via, the, via the web in whatever way you're choosing to do so. Uh, and as I say, that's because we we couldn't really look at those themes uh, within uh, Jonas's interview because of the uh, um, being recorded before COVID nineteen. So anyway, this is uh, this is Andy Peck, of course, signing off, um, thanking you for joining us. Uh, check out the podcast online, of course, on Premier Radio, on iTunes, on Podbean. And um, to conclude with those words of the Apostle Paul, uh, may God help you as you seek to lead in His name. Um, and uh, the verses from 2 Corinthians uh, 8 uh, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work that's 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 uh, so bye for now and uh, look forward to your company next uh, Sunday at uh, 4 o'clock You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.